you know, but the ones who focus on serving the customer and putting the customer first and just doing amazing marketing work for the customer, mm-hmm. the, there's always this view of like, oh, well, if I had all that time and money and resources, I'd be doing that too. But we can't give things away for free. You know, that's, that's always the mentality, especially of smaller businesses mm-hmm. um, that I can't, you know, what's the point of helping them? I can't directly relate that to ROI. Well, now everybody's in the business of helping right? That's an essential now. You can't not be helping. You cannot have empathy. Welcome to the Winning E-Commerce Experience Show, where it's all about creating a brand that your customers love so they keep coming back. This show is brought to you by DataQ. Your store experience begins with your homepage. DataQ improves your conversion rate up to 30% by showing each visitor a personalized homepage based on their interest. And now your host, Sharam Anver. Hey guys, our guest today is the director of SEO at Trinity. They've been helping e-commerce clients since 2006. A lot of experience there. Jessica Lister, so great to have you with us. Hey, I am super excited to be here. So I've been just waiting to dive in and talk about all of these types of topics. I know it's, you know, just before we even get into that, we were just talking about how it's a Friday and how, like, does the concept of the weekend still exist? Um, like, <laughs> like, are people still thinking about it that way? Because it seems like every day is a weekend, right? Every day is the weekend. Every day is the week. Yeah, you were talking about, like, working on the weekend. That's just been so much more, like, fluid for my husband and I um, because, like you're just you're just around your workplace all day so like you might as well do some work while you're there on a saturday or a sunday it's, it's kind yeah, of yeah <laughs> and um like it, it's i know i know for the people like my friends uh with kids it's it seems to be an even harder issue because like they are they they don't get it at all like there's no way you can like we've got a yeah. um like a one and a half year old and there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's no, like, there's no way you can explain to <laughs> that this right. is like an unprecedented situation, right? It's, it's, um, so yeah, it's, I guess it's home and work just really clashing right now. So clashing right now. Yeah, actually that goes into another thing. I mean, it, it's going to be so interesting to see like the effect that this has, um, in the long term on, on families, because, you know, I'm thinking about, I, I'm in this, I'm in the same space. I don't have any kids. So I'm like, ah, yes, like <laughs> this is clearly easier for me than for a lot of people. Um, but, you know, like, for example, our, our company was um, doing some surveys and getting some feedback on how working from home has been um, mm-hmm. because, you know, some departments had been had a lot more experience with it than others. Um, and the responses were more difficult to gauge because we realized some people were thinking about it like right now it sucks because I have these kids running around me and I have to take care of them in addition to work where others were like it'll be great eventually when the kids aren't here. (laughs) Yeah and people are talking about how they've got more time now because they don't have to commute. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean it just seems like you know just like what you said everyone's having very different problems. you know, like I, I think in, in, in the space that we're in, e-commerce and, you know, any kind of digital work, we, we're, we're basically privileged enough to be able to do our work from a computer. Yeah. And then yeah. you've got a whole bunch of people, segment of the population that can't. And yeah. then, you know, you've got people with kids. And, and even when you're bringing it down to this e-commerce side, we were talking about this a little while ago. 
you can't really say how's e-commerce doing because every client depending yeah. on the industry is <laughs> just doing wildly different from the other right absolutely yeah they are doing wildly different i'm i'm interested in what you just said though that everybody has such different problems because i see it as the opposite really um, interesting okay. yeah because i think right now um you know i'm thinking about how different the approach is between marketers and consumers mm-hmm. you know there's always been this this divide this us versus them sort of mentality when you talk about your audience mm-hmm. and right now i think that's so blurring because now more than ever we're all having the same types of experiences our our days to days you know sure like it's very different between uh, us sitting at home and working on our computers versus somebody who's you know actually like at a hospital right now for example but we're all still dealing with the same external circumstances and it's so um so weighty in mm-hmm. our day to day it takes up so much time and effort that i think um i think the relationship between marketers and consumers is is going to it's changing um and so i don't know you, how long that'll last for but so I, you're basically getting at the point that marketers are now better able to empathize with the consumer because they're A kind of in the same situation percent. A thousand percent. Yeah, because because they need the same solutions. Exactly. Right. And I think um, this this idea of empathy um, has always been a nice to have. Have you ever noticed that? It's like the companies that that do well and the ones who are able to create value online, Mm -hmm. online especially, you know, but the ones who focus on serving the customer and putting the customer first and just doing amazing marketing work for the customer. Mm-hmm. there's always this view of like, oh, well, if I had all that time and money and resources, I'd be doing that too, but we can't give things away for free. You know, that's, that's always the mentality, especially of smaller businesses mm-hmm. um, that I can't, you know, what's the point of helping them? I can't directly relate that to ROI. Well, now everybody's in the business of helping, right? That's an yeah. essential now. You can't not be helping. You cannot have empathy. Um, it's such an interesting like flip from this nice to have to like an essential. And I guess you could argue that small business more than anyone could uh, empathize even more directly because it's sort of a, it's, it's more than ever. It's, a, it's one person to another versus say a big yeah. corporation where you still have that friction, right? Between, you know, upper management to like who's deciding the strategy versus execution. So yeah. this is probably a new, another way where small businesses can differentiate. That's super true. Um, and especially right now, I think transparency is going to be a little more commonplace. Um, mm-hmm. I think there was already businesses who were really great at that. Like Buffer is my favorite example. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've read their blog, I yeah, mean, they post share salaries every, online. They yeah. share everything that they do internally, what works and what doesn't. And now I think there's going to be a lot more shifting towards transparency because we've got so many disruptions in our day to day and our business policies and every, everything, especially if you're an e-commerce site, you know, it's, it's what products are available, when are they going to be shipped, who's around to respond to your messages, and, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're a one-person shop um, and you're not able to get to your studio and you are in the process of, of, you know, moving things and being able to work from shelter in place, or you've got a team of five and you had to furlough three of them, Right. I, that sort of where there might have been shame around that if 
if it was just your company having this problem and you and you want to paint a good picture and you don't want that negative PR, you know, you might not mm -hmm. have said that. But right now it's like, hey, yo, I'm struggling. You're struggling too? Cool. Let me tell you how we're struggling and how we're like going around it. Um, and so, yeah, if you're, if you're like a one, one or two or three people operation, there's a yeah. lot of... There's I, a lot of sharing that's going to start to happen if it hasn't already. So it's, it's, so it's essentially, I mean, if I try to rephrase that, it's like the situation has given businesses permission to be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I think right. it, takes, it takes away this, this idea that you can't, you know, you can't be at fault. You can't have these issues like, well, we're all dealing with them. I mean, this is a really big topic. I, I'm just trying to, no. <laughs> I'm trying to hold myself from getting into it. But um, like one of my favorite uh, Jeff Bezos quotes is that mm -hmm. every overnight success I've ever read took 10 years. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I mean, he's a very complicated yeah. guy. So let's just focus on that <laughs> quote, right? I don't want to yeah. be like- Let's not focus on the man, but yeah. For Jeff yeah. Bezos. But I think that quote has a lot of truth in it because um, I think at least before now, we've been talking about you know, being vulnerable. People always talk about their success. And that has this very, very, I think a demoralizing impact on anybody listening in where they feel like, wow, that was so easy. This person just got to like, I don't know, million dollar revenue in a year. Uh, so, mm -hmm. and he just did this, this and this. And, mm -hmm. and you know, when you talk to these people, that's not really what happened. Like they made probably 50 different mistakes. They probably had yeah. ramen for, I don't know, weeks because they couldn't afford anything else. And there's so much more that's going on behind that like success story. And Absolutely. now I guess maybe we're going to have more honest conversations about like how you actually build a successful business because it's not all I roses. I hope so. I hope so. It's making me laugh. Um, all this, all the emails, all the content that you get, that's like how to handle this crisis, how to navigate it. Um, and no one knows. <laughs> it drives me crazy when people come to it, like we're the experts. We know all this stuff. No, you don't like, we're all learning this together. And so, yeah, I, I mean, for me as a consumer, I welcome that, that level of transparency and, um, just just honesty that like yep it's a struggle but the more that you bring that out um the more people are going to want to help that's true by supporting you I, that's true. and again going back to like smaller businesses i mean think about you know think about all the restaurants right now that are getting gift cards mm -hmm. you're going to get way more of people buying gift cards people getting your takeout dinners or whatever you're offering if you reach out and you say hey like we had to make some tough decisions. We had to let go of people. We had to furlough people. We want to remain open. Then that means you want to help versus the one who, who's like, oh, business is fine. You're like, all right, well, then I guess I'll give my money elsewhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, did you know, um, I was just checking out some Google Trends information before our chat and more people are searching for how can I help on Google now than they were from Hurricane Harvey um, or from the wildfires in Australia. Wow. Um, yeah, it's super peaked um, in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so, especially um, the gift card situation uh, is definitely huge because I know Shopify, for instance, they made it available on all their plans um, because, mm -hmm. you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier about how each e-commerce company has different issues. 
and you could be a company that just because of all the lockdowns you can't get product in so then you have nothing right. to sell so then yeah. the only thing you can do is gift cards um but something interesting could be um there's a lot of creativity coming out right now as well so right it's like okay you've oh, got the gift cards that's great uh yeah. you know people can help but i'm seeing a lot of innovation on the product side uh yes. where you know i was i had a guest a few weeks ago um i think i've brought this up quite a few times because i'm so impressed but um <laughs> these guys do these um diaries uh the printed diaries and then they realized you know what everyone's stuck at home so why don't we just make these pads which people can doodle in uh so parents can have things to do with their kids and you know mm-hmm. artists so it wasn't really changing the product fundamentally in terms of the raw material but they're just really addressing a need and now mm-hmm. people are like yes i can help you and you're kind of helping me it's really, really how the market works right oh my gosh i could go on and on about innovation i i was probably annoying to work with the first few weeks that we were stuck at home because i was more excited than then scared uh, just because there's so much crazy potential right now and we're all being forced to change. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the innovation has been wild. And um, if businesses aren't pivoting, if they're not able to figure you know, some new strategies and some new plans <laughs> out, they're going to have okay, problems. <laughs> yeah, figure shit out. Um, my, favorite, um, my favorite innovation remains actually the, the pizza kits idea, which I think has been catching on recently through a lot of, Tell me, I a lot of pizza chains. No, the, some, pizza, um, some pizza shops are, rather than just selling you a, a made pizza, for kids, they're giving you dough and sauce and ah. cheese in a box. I love that. And here's the crazy thing is any pizza shop could have been doing that at any time. They have sure. all the materials already. It's a great marketing idea, giving kids an activity to do. So it's but a bit like Blue Apron, right? Except um, it's just with pizza. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, but like how, how freaking genius is that? I know. Because I know. It, doesn't, it doesn't cost them anything more. It actually saves them time. Well, because they're not less. making the pizza. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, if you have the option between a couple different pizza shops near you, and you have kids and you need stuff for them to do, like guess what shop you're gonna be going to from now yeah. until you are no longer stuck at home. Um, yeah, I think I that's that. truly genius. I, it's so interesting the way in which businesses have been forced to innovate in so many ways, whether it's the actual products themselves, whether it's the service and, and how or how that product is delivered or shared. And here's the thing, right? So, so, you know, we're talking, you know, about marketing and this is sort of a very, I think, a forgotten fact about marketing that what you just talked about, sort of the innovation in the product is also marketing. It gets people to talk about you. It gets people to yeah. connect with you. So it's not like, oh, but that's not marketing. Well, it is, yeah. um, right? Like I've even seen um, like an example with pricing being good marketing where, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was like this Icelandic supermarket, if I'm not wrong, where you, you, you know what happened where um, people were just over buying um, hand sanitizers and just like buying so much that there wasn't enough for anyone else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What these guys did was just so smart because you know how in supermarkets when you buy, you know, you can buy one, but if you buy two, you get a discount, buy three, you get a little bit of more of a discount. They, mm-hmm. they flipped that. 
So they made it like a minus thing. So if you buy, so they had something like, if you buy one hand sanitizer, it's, I don't know, $2. But if you buy two, mm-hmm. it's 95. <laughs> and, That's awesome. Because that, I mean, that in and of itself is just, you know, uh, publicity. Right. And people uh, were just taking photos of this and of. posting it. And they were thinking, <laughs> yep. wow, this is like really smart. I mean, we're talking about it right now. It's a super Exactly. So, um, exactly. I mean, it clearly like really hit a nerve, right? So um yeah so i I I guess it's like okay um if innovation is really but the thing is like innovation is hard uh right it's like it's always like you uh what you you know like at least say say we we go back to the clients that you guys are working with right so is Mm -hmm. there some kind of um like a checklist or like things or advice that you talk to them, not particularly about innovation, but like just helping them sort of get ready with their marketing. Like what, what kind of advice are you, are you giving these guys right now? The, the first thing that we did, um, looking back at, I guess this was March, late March at this time, once we realized, oh, this is a big thing and it's going to affect people in a big way. Um, for all of our clients, we just kind of took a pause on, on what we were doing and we brainstormed a lot of creative strategies for them and different directions that they could take. Um, mm. And, you know, even though we, we focus on SEO, so when I say we, I just mean uh, my little team. Um, but, you know, we started to look at, you know, not just things that will relate to your, your website and your rankings, but right. more broadly, like how, to, how do you bring in some of that traffic um, you know, because we know that people are going to be spending way more time online than they have been. We know that they're going to be shopping online way more than they have been. So right. how do you make sure that you are there? Um, whether it's, you know, for the transaction, whether it's for the activity or whatever it is. And so, yeah, so it wasn't a checklist because as we've talked about, like, sure. yeah, it's just so different. Well, the advice <laughs> we give our our clothing retailer is not going to be the same as the advice we give our, you know, a cultural yeah. attraction. Um, but so that's why we, we wanted to give it that, um, that personalized touch, like, Hey, for your business in specific, you know, here's some ideas um, that you could be taking. And, and some of them were, you know, a bit more commonplace, you know, for example, uh, virtual tours um, or um, right. walking tours uh, and partnerships with influencers. Um, as a way to get views and then some were um, a bit more specific as far as like thinking about um, ways that they could resell or repackage or um, remarket their products to work from home Um, and then for all of our partners obviously we're we're recommending you know improving and changing your content strategy so it's focused on the way people are searching now and, and uh, you know, that's a big making one. sure that you're hitting that at home. Oh my God, it's a huge one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that that's, I would say almost the crux of SEO, right? Essentially writing to your audience, connecting with mm-hmm. them and knowing what yep. they're actually looking for. Um, yep. we, you know, we've been talking mm-hmm. pretty much this whole time so far about how people have fundamentally changed. You just talked about how mm-hmm. the, you know, search habits have changed in terms of like, how can I help is now a very prominent uh, message. So, let, let's let, let's get into that um, yeah. because I think it's really like a nice way of bringing everything which we've talked about so far and essentially being authentic, being empathetic, um, you know, really communicating, being vulnerable. Um, how would I go about sort of 
bringing that into some kind of some kind of content strategy. Um, and right now, I think it's better if we speak to the people who haven't thought about this very seriously, because I think anyone who okay. would probably have already adjusted. But say, yeah. someone's just been selling online, maybe they've done a few paid marketing channels and it's been going fine, but now it's all drying up. You know, what, how, right. or how should they think about this? Yeah, and, and paid is its own thing. And I know yeah. they're having their own issues right now. Um, so. Well, for those people, for anybody who is, is struggling with paid right now, I mean, focusing on your organic search results, that is the move because that's the free traffic. <laughs> so if you're trying to save money, that's where you need to be. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think we're at this point where I can't imagine any company um, keeping the same strategy that they had in place in January for the year. Um, so I'd say if you haven't already scrapped all of your ideas, change it now. Late, change it now if you haven't. I can't even imagine. Um, yeah, and so for content, I mean that's a that's a huge area where for a lot, you know, any of our partners where we are doing more long form um, content, be it you mm -hmm. know blogs, evergreen content, webinars, things like that, they're all being changed. Um, you know, they're all being rethought. They're being, you know, if we have. Um, ongoing lists of content or for calendars planned out for weeks or months, you know, they're getting reprioritized and we're focusing on what's going to help people right now. Um, and mm. I think, I think the, the longer that we are in this place in this, you know, shelter in place, working from home um, sort of situation, you know, we'll start to see um, more clear patterns in buying, um, you know, for instance, for things that might not be as easy to purchase right now, um, I think you'll see um, data related to the research component of that start right. to rise. Um, for example, like thinking of, of myself as a consumer right now, um, I love working on home projects, but I never have any time to. Well, guess what? I have so much time now. So I've spent a lot of money recently on home decor stuff, mm. um, but I can't have a contractor in my house right now, right? So, you know, one part of that habit is, um, you know, doing these searches that are much farther down the funnel, right? I already, I already know which brands that I want to shop from, um, or I'm doing high level searches where I know what the product is already. Um, and I'm just looking for that transaction. But then I think down the line, we're going to start to see more, um, more top of funnel queries again, right now is actually you know, it sucks for anybody who doesn't have the discretionary income or, or, you know, the budget to be able to attribute to SEO at this time. Um, because man, this is, this is yeah. the moment to be there. Um, but let's just define this for the audience, because when you're talking about yeah. top of the funnel, you're essentially saying these are not ones who are looking to buy right now, but they are just sort of getting to know your brand. So it's yeah. more of, um, like probably, even if you can't sell now, I guess what you're trying to say here is that, um, or what you're saying here is that, uh, get your brand out there because it's still people are researching you. And when they can Absolutely. buy, then you're in the perfect place to get that sale. Absolutely. Yep. So it's, it's super interesting, right? Because usually um, there's this struggle between trying to, um, trying to prioritize, you know, the types of content topics that will get you closer to the funnel, closer to the sale, right? right. If it's somebody, for example, in the decision buying um, or in the decision-making 
phase of their funnel where they're like, all right, we had these two brands or I had these two products. I'm not sure which one to buy. You know, mm -hmm. maybe they're searching for uh, a keyword with verses or maybe they're looking for um, something with reviews. Um, you know, how do you balance that and content creation for those queries to, you know, queries related to your actual product, you know, a copy block on your e best-selling e-commerce page, for example, versus right. something that is much more high level that's probably not going to convert, um, at least not in the, you know, traditional last click attribution model, right? right. Um, that's just focused on brand awareness. But now I think we have a little more structure and I think it's a little easier now to figure out how to prioritize that based on all the external factors that are happening right now. Well, what can you sell? <laughs> that's what right. you prioritize, right? right? And if you can't sell anything, one, I'm sorry, that's terrible, but if you can't sell anything, then well, are you pivoting your products or services to be able to sell something? Hopefully you are. Um, and if so, then that's the thing that you focus on building your content around. Mm -hmm. um, and if you can't do that, well then, you know, your goals are going to change so that rather than trying to sell, you're going to be trying to, you know, focus on other micro conversions. So you might be focused on like um, build your building, email list, maybe building your email list, building your, your social media following, um, you know, video plays online. Yeah. All of mm -hmm. those things. Mm -hmm. um, and so if those become your, um, your new KPIs, then yeah, you're absolutely going to be focused on more top of funnel type of searches. Um, and I, I think right now there's actually a, um, a pretty sharp peak in how to queries, which makes perfect sense because yeah, people have to figure out how to do a lot of stuff that they weren't doing before. <laughs> and, and that's great. And I mean, like I was kind of getting to that with the, with the content question, right? Because, um, you know, I'm just going to link that with what we said before, before we started the podcast about how it's a lot of like back to basics, but essentially mm -hmm. it seems like what you're saying with the SEO is that most of the queries are top of the funnel because people have so much more time and they're looking for research and things like that. And if you mm -hmm. have a product, then I, I guess if you've been selling that for some time, you probably are a subject matter expert. So you can attract that traffic with some top, some really great top of the funnel content. Absolutely. And then hopefully convert yeah. them. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I would say as far as like advice goes to anybody who hasn't spent a lot of time on their, um, on a content strategy, you know, I would be, I'd be focusing on two places. I would be focusing on your e-commerce pages. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for anybody who, who hasn't, you know, using copy blocks or making sure that the copy on those pages um, is, optimized and by that we mean it's very clear what that category is it's very clear what is being sold um, you have a lot of content that's supporting that on those pages um, you know if you're still able to sell a widget then make sure that the page for the widgets is very well optimized i'd say that is and you know if you're in a position to be able to sell and make money then that's probably going to what be what does an optimized page priority. look like so for those of us who are thinking i mean that makes sense uh if i've got a product page i need to optimize it um i think you know there's some pretty generic advice out there like like make sure your photos are really good if you've got reviews stick them on there make sure the descriptions are good because it's going to get some seo traffic and people can read yeah. them um yeah. beyond that are there 
is there anything else that sort of when you review clients pages for instance that really strike out that oh my god like not another one sure. right like what are, the, what are those like pet not peeves another and, one yeah. <laughs> now nah, there's oh there's no pet peeves there's just a lot of common um common uh issues of under optimization um for right. a lot of partners especially if you haven't spend a lot of time on your SEO where you don't have anybody, you know, with that kind of knowledge in house. So mm -hmm. um, I would say the product pages usually don't give as much TLC to just because of the nature of them. I mean, they, they are fundamentally going to have less um, SEO equity mm -hmm. than other pages on your site. So they're not going to rank as well. They're not going to bring in as much traffic. And, you know, anyway, the number of people searching for a specific product is going to pale in comparison to people searching for a type of product. So, right. um, so rather I'm than focusing on the product term, pages, SEO equity, that's a great one. Yeah, <laughs> ec equity. Yes. It's a, a very kind of broad concept. Um, yeah. but the, but the concept is that your, your homepage typically for most sites will have the most kind of equity mm -hmm. and that equity flows through the links mm -hmm. that you have on your site. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, the pages that are in the best sort of position to be performing well and bringing in more traffic, are those primary category and subcategory pages um, that you're mm. linking to? You know, either you know, typically they'll be included obviously in the in the navigation. You might include them in the footer. Um, you might also include links um, on the homepage itself. Um, but those are the pages. If you're still making, if you're still able to make money from those things, I'd focus on them. And especially, you know, I think bigger retailers are definitely doing a good job of. Um, promoting the products that people want right now and are using right now, whether it's, you know, athleisure wear and, um, you know, lounge wear. Um, right, like everyday anything stuff. You, anything yeah. you can do at home. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. And, and so, so coming back to that, like uh, what you said about the homepage, I, I think that that's critical um, because when you're talking about equity, that's the, probably the most important page on your site. Um, and then that means that people should be, if you're talking about optimization, should they, be, they should be looking at their existing sales and going and doing maybe like a regular review to see that if, am I featuring the right content on my homepage oh, yeah. compared to what, uh, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I would say if you've got, you know, hero banners, if you have carousels, if you have block the space in any way to be able to link to other categories um, and you haven't updated those to be to you know the more relevant products for people right now and that's a very easy first step yes. um, and I there's a lot of e-commerce companies out there that do not link well at all to their content um, to the blog they treat mm. it almost like a separate site and for some it is if it's on a subdomain right. um, but you know, a lot of sites make the mistake of they just have a link to it in the footer and they treat it as its own separate thing. And they don't, they don't make it easy um, mm. and apparent for customers to see it. And so, you know, not only does that devalue it in the customer's eyes, because what's the chance that they're scrolling down to your footer and clicking on a, an icon to your blog? Exactly. Very exactly. poor. But then that also translates to how Google sees it. You know, if you were linking, um, um, you know, like strategically, yeah. if you're linking very strategically to new posts, if on the homepage you're saying, and here's this new piece that we wrote about 
um, you know, all the shows on Netflix that you should be watching right now while you're stuck at home, um, you know, and then you get to your category pages and you, um, you know, you sell um, men's dress shirts and you wrote a piece on, hey, you know, now you have your dress shirt, here's how to tie a tie or whatever it is, I, you know, strategically promoting your content on your own site tells Google that we value this content. We think our customers will value this content and that will absolutely reflect in rankings because of how that equity is flowing. Yeah. Um, I mean, coming back to that, um, the, the, blog, the blog post. Um, so obviously, like, like you said, uh, make it prominent on your homepage. Um, but I'm just going back to the discussion we had about top level content where people are searching how to do this, how to do that. Um, yeah. And then we talked about like how that's top of the funnel. Um, are there any suggestions that you have where you use the blog post strategically to link back to your um, to your e-commerce site? So maybe, for oh, yeah. instance, like like do you, maybe that's something people should be doing more of as well. Absolutely, but not too much. There's a balance. Right. right. So, <laughs> so yeah, we what work... does that look like? What does that balance Absolutely. look like? Absolutely. So yeah, the the easy rule of thumb um, that you can use is one link per 100 words. So if, okay. you're, if you're linking to way too many things, uh, you might get a little link happy. That can come across as spammy. Um, right. And that can kind of hurt um, your quality score for that page, which can impact your ranking. Um, so, I mean, the way I see it is, is always add a link where appropriate, where you would actually want somebody to leave the page. Hmm. Is, because that's, I mean, essentially what you're offering them anyway. But yes, to answer your question, I mean, it, linking back and forth between all the, the content on your site, um, whether it's product to product, product to category, product to blog and blog back to product or category, that's huge. Um, and it can, be, it can be a big undertaking. Um, we actually just did two projects like that for, mm -hmm. um, for two of our customers where we essentially you know, went through their whole site um, and identified areas where, uh, one, where their internal links um, were broken or outdated mm -hmm. um, cool. is, is something that, that often needs to be fixed. Yeah. Um, but then two, um, areas where you should be adding them, um, where there's opportunity. Right. And I mean, I guess, you know, as a small business owner, um, you're probably thinking, well, that sounds great, but I don't really have time for that. <laughs> but clearly prioritization is your is your answer there right so maybe even if you've got a hundred blog posts maybe you just figure yeah. out the top five that are getting the most traffic and then you just do some links there and you see how that goes yes that's per that's exactly what i would recommend actually um yeah just hey, doing awesome. off a little bit at a time <laughs> yep yeah, so I mean, coming back to this whole link, the the link building topic, we talked about mm -hmm. how linking um, your e-commerce page to your content or your blog makes sense, and then vice mm -hmm. versa. Um, the overall theme here is that it's very difficult to get external links, but it's very easy to do your internal links. So why yeah. would you like not do that when that's an easy like plus one to your Google SEO score? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, internal links. Um, are such a huge ranking factor. Yeah. Um, is that... but, but, but that is part of the reason is it can be time consuming. And certainly, I mean, there Just are... come on, this must be a pet peeve. You said you don't have any pet peeves. This must be one of them. 
my pet peeve is lack of implementation, which is something <laughs> that all SEOs struggle with. And we can talk, we can get into that as we talk more about, you know, at Trinity and, and the workarounds that we have found for that. But, um, um, but no, I, linking is, it is a challenge. And I would say, you know, for, um, for anyone who has an e-commerce site, um, who might be struggling with this, I think the first place to, to look is at the templates that you're using and the designs that you're using, mm-hmm. um, you know, and make sure that um, your top navigation does include all the important pages that you want to drive traffic to. Um, mm-hmm. And make sure that um, you're using breadcrumb links. That mm-hmm. is a super easy one. And um, more difficult can be your uh, e-commerce navigation and how it's set up. Um, that and that's a, kind of an advanced topic um, because it can get it can create a whole host of different issues. Whether it's um, duplicate content, whether it's indexation, whether it's uh, creating uh, index bloat and hurting your crawl budget. But um, you know, poke around your website is what I would say to anybody listening who you know wants to spend some time on their links. Um, looking at category and subcategory pages and the navigation that you have on those pages, you know, is it easy for people to find their way back um, one layer, two layers, and then back to the homepage right. from whatever page they're on? Um, there are a lot of platforms where um, the way that they're set up out of the box, they don't actually link to the same links that you have in your top navigation. Mm-hmm. And that's creating you know, that's limiting um, your, your ranking potential across. Have you, have you found a particular platform that's very good at SEO out of the box that you, that you think they do very well that people can have a look at? Um, well, I, every platform has its, um, its pros and cons, sure. strengths and weaknesses. Um, we do partner with Big Commerce and uh, Shopify. Mm-hmm. Um, those are usually pretty friendly, um, and we usually work with mid-sized um, to larger scale retailers. Mm-hmm. Um, so those do work really well. Um, for any business, I, we always recommend WordPress. Um, that is super SEO friendly. Um, mm-hmm. And especially um, either, either if you are you know, doing this all yourself, it's very user friendly for people who are not as technically inclined. Um, and then it's also has low barriers to entry for um, anybody you might hire. So you have a, a much better chance of somebody, if, you, if you're if working with somebody to do SEO, for example, um, they're going to be able to get into WordPress and do a lot of this stuff for you versus if you were on, um, I don't know, what's a good example, like a, an Oracle. Or, right. uh, but but or say, a, say someone's on, the, on, on Shopify. Um, I, I know that Shopify has their own sort of blog um, component. Would mm-hmm. you say even with that, like someone could just do the word, the blog on WordPress and then do the sales on Shopify, or would you just say do mm-hmm. the blog on Shopify too? Like what? what yeah, you-, you could. Um, I think I'd have to do a little more research into the Shopify blog component. Any of our partners who have migrated to Shopify have done exactly what you said. Um, they use the two different. Uh, platform right. and and WordPress right. goes alongside it. Yeah, because the way Google's, if you use a different platform, you would do blog.mycompany.com um, versus mycompany.com slash blog, um, right? And that's very different, right, from an SEO perspective. So have you found those that two? Different? Yeah, those two are very different. Um, however, I would not, it's not 
necessarily rule-based depending on your, the platform that you use. Um, gets a little more complicated than that. That is something for developers to work out. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, I was just getting to, into it from an SEO point of view because, yeah. you know, for instance, if I were running two platforms like Shopify mm -hmm. and I had my blog on WordPress, then it would be mm -hmm. two different subdomains. And like mm -hmm. from what I recall, Google sees it as two completely separate websites because it's a subdomain. Yeah. But from what it sounds like, you can make it work, right? Like it doesn't really matter that you much. You can definitely make it work. Yeah, that's one of those things um, that we come into a lot. And yes, the best practice is certainly to use subfolders or subdirectories rather than a subdomain. Mm -hmm. um, you know, mywebsite.com slash blog rather than blog.mywebsite um, because Google does treat them differently and it doesn't carry the same weight. Um, so it does, it does limit your ability to rank, um, you know, and there's studies out there that have kind of shown if, you know, businesses that have migrated to a subdomain saw a lot of improvement from there. Um, so yeah, if you have the ability to, to choose one over the other, it is much better to keep it on the same domain. That said, that's not possible for a lot of partners for a lot of different reasons. Some of them just don't have the ability to migrate at that time. Others, it's a platform issue. Um, right. And the way that Word, WordPress or another CMS works with their platform. Um, so it, that's not to say that it can't work and it can't bring in traffic because it absolutely can. Yeah, I mean, especially on the technical side, I, I feel like SEO can get very, very complicated very quickly, right? Like it's almost yeah. like you, you, when you read the 101 stuff, it's like, yeah, make some great content, put it on something like WordPress or a blog and people will come. But then you, you start getting into it. Um, like, not to put you on the spot, but one of the things I've read is that, um, you know, for instance, on a blog post, if you added a date, um, that makes Google sort of prioritize that more because essentially, like, if you've got the same content that was written more recently than something six months ago, uh, Google tends to favor that. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but... Is there anything else like that that you've seen in all the years you've been working with SEO that people sort of like these little tips on um, things that can help get your ranking a little bit better? Hmm, that's an interesting one. Yeah, the, the date is a weird one. Um, it's definitely an example where a lot of SEOs will have different opinions about right, <laughs> whether or not right, you're including right. the, and, and that could be whether you're including the date in the URL um, versus whether you're just mentioning it in the actual copy. Um, right. For Trinity, we typically recommend if you can have an evergreen URL structure, then do that. Um, but for anybody listening, if you if you so have define an evergreen URL, URL structure for someone who's not familiar with that. Oh, it's just something that that doesn't include the date um, as part of the permalink. Um, so you know something that is user friendly and descriptive, but you know under 150 characters. Mm -hmm. easy to read and understand. Um, but, you know, on the flip side of that, if you have, um, if you have dates in your URLs, do not just go in and change them. <laughs> 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 because that would be a, a migration and that could, uh, if handled improperly, could, could tank your traffic and writing. Um, I mean, especially so because saying, that's an easy one to solve, right? Like I've seen quite a few companies who say, oh, like with the hugely successful 2019 list, we've decided to do a 2020 list with even more yeah. tips. And yeah. so there's nothing wrong with keeping your old list uh, with the same URL. Don't mess with your URL. Like if you've gone Don't with- Don't mess with the URLs.
Oh, if that could be the one takeaway. Yes, because when you talk about SEO, um, that is where the value is attributed. You know, the value right. is attributed to a very specific URL. And, you know, for people who aren't as technically inclined, you know, you might not realize the, the small discrepancies in, um, you know, having mixed case URLs in your, or mixed case characters in your URL versus mm -hmm. all lowercase. Um, or having a trailing slash at the end of your URL versus not. Um, huh. us users don't notice that stuff, but as right. SEOs, we have to because Google sees those as two completely different pages. They are completely different. They right. might have the exact same content on them, and that becomes its own issue, but they're completely 100% different. Right. Mm -hmm. So is there some kind of... Um some tool available, you know, like I, I think many listeners out there are already familiar with the idea of like doing page speed tests. So they've, they've, mm -hmm. they've, they've all got their favorite tools put in their website and yeah. see how long it takes to load and blah, blah, blah. I think this is pretty mainstream, but is there something like that, which is free or easy to access on the SEO side, which would tell you like, Hey, like these are some areas that you need to really look at. Yeah. Well, here I'll, I'll plug us instead um, because Trinity Go does do, complimentary audits. And mm -hmm. so that's, that's probably the easiest thing to do. Um, yeah, for anybody who reaches out, you know, and is interested in, in seeing what's going on with my site, um, what we do is we'll generate, um, we'll, we'll do a crawl and generate a prioritized list of a whole bunch of issues that are discovered um, through that crawl. Now it is, you know, pretty automated in, in, its, in the way that it's generated. And so um, like a lot of tools out there, um, you know, tools like a Bright Edge come to mind where people will pay thousands of dollars per month for this tool and it, stay, it has the same issues as a lot of other tools where you have to take every recommendation with a grain of salt because something that's a problem on one domain is not a problem on another. Um, right. Or for example, like I'm thinking right now, like one of our partners, um, you know, we just did a diagnostic crawl for and we came across um, the issue where oh, a lot of your title tags are too long, which is a very fundamental kind of basic issue. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the pages that the title tags are too long on were parameter URLs. They were queries um, and that they were handled in search console mm. to not be indexed. So it's actually not an issue, but you'd have to, you'd have, that. to have that knowledge to know. Yeah. Right. So, right. yeah, so it can be, it can be tough, but anyway, for, for the complimentary audits that we do, um, you know, we'll not only generate the report for you, but then we'll hop on a call and kind of walk through and explain some of those things. Um, so that's what I'll say as far as, um, as far as an audit service, there's, I mean, there's plenty of other like free audits that you can find online, but it's always, it always kind of comes down to that same issue. Um, right. as it's just going to tell you what it sees and it may or may not actually be a problem. I guess um, when you do these kind of audits, um, if even if you don't know about SEO, hopefully whoever receives these reports will have something which lets them ask better questions from a professional, right? So Absolutely. instead of saying, oh, my SEO sucks, you could say, look, <laughs> I've got this report that says that these title tags are too long. What do you think? And then that's something which I guess any professional could have a quick look at and be like, you know what you find? Oh yeah, that's actually a big problem. You should, you should go and fix that. Exactly. And if it's something like title tags um, or something like your header tags, you know, 
that is something that any anybody who's kind of dug into a CMS system can be able to fix on their own. Just take some common sense. Yeah. So it it seems like you know we, we we've covered a lot of ground um, because we we, we, we <laughs> I just realized I'm like oh, we haven't mentioned coronavirus in at least five minutes. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> but that was part of the goal, and that's exactly what you said, right? Is like we're getting fatigued. Um, that's actually to talk about um, content and, and thinking about um, things that are evergreen. Mm -hmm. That's something that I am challenging a lot of my partners to think about when it comes to content is balancing this line between um, creating content that is useful at this time mm -hmm. and is empathetic to this time mm -hmm. without specifically naming it. Um, and I say right. that from a practical standpoint, because oftentimes you don't have a team that's so on it that they're going to remember in, you know, two years from now to go back and edit that blog post and remove the term coronavirus so it sounds up to date because it's still bringing in traffic and the query yes, is still relevant. Yes, that's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. So you kind of really have to toe the line a little bit there. Or I guess yeah. if you're going to go into it, you go all in on this one piece and then exactly. you just... Um, Exactly. Right. That makes a lot of and sense. Super interesting for SEOs, um, you know, looking at the keyword research portion of it, because it is all dependent on search demand. Um, and it's all dependent on, you know, these tools that we use um, and the queries that they are capturing. And so, you know, in March, when we were trying to figure out what do people talk about right now? Well, you know, there wasn't a lot of, of, of keywords that used the term coronavirus or COVID-19 related mm. to anything other than the news and the, you know, it actually has a virus and, you know, what are the symptoms and all this stuff. And I'm pretty People sure more more creative. And I'm pretty sure that's a keyword that Google is policing quite actively because yes. so much fake, oh like I know that on YouTube, uh, if you search anything to do with COVID-19 or coronavirus, they immediately pop up this thing with the WHO guidelines. So that they're sort of yeah. like being very, because I think they've gotten a lot of flack right now for having a lot of false information. Um, so yeah. maybe it's not strategic to just go for those keywords at all anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would certainly, I would certainly not focus on, um, I had somebody ask me about like, well, what if we focus on, um, you know, coronavirus in, you know, what their state was. Mm -hmm. And I said, I mean, bless you. If you can, if you are able to rank for that, you'll get a lot of traffic for one day. <laughs> <laughs> and then beyond that, it, you'll have to keep it up because the, the, you know, the outlets that are going to be ranking for those type of newsworthy queries are like the CNNs and MSNBCs, yes. and it's these pages that can keep up with live updates like on the minute. Yeah, yeah. Because what's the point of me looking at an article about coronavirus that came out two weeks ago? The world is completely different now. Yeah, so, I mean, since you're talking about this, this, this has really uh, reminded me of this thing which I was really sort of dying to ask you. Um, yeah. Because when you're talking about coronavirus uh, as a keyword, what you're alluding to there is picking a keyword with very high search volume, right? And so that's mm -hmm. why it's so attractive for people because they want to really rank for something which they know a lot of eyeballs are coming through. Mm -hmm. But I, I think, you know, um, a lot of folks have almost the opposite problem where when you've got a product that 
maybe it's sort of low on the awareness scale or like people aren't actively searching for that product. Um, you've almost got a different challenge where the content you need to write is not really about your product, but it's on sort of like, like, you know, related issues that maybe, uh, would be applicable to yours. And then you educate the customer on that. Oh, you know what? Um, you know, if I invented this new way of, I don't know, killing mosquitoes, um, maybe I can't talk about my product right now in content because no one's searching for it. But I guess a lot of people are searching for how to kill mosquitoes. Um, how, how, you know, do you deal with that with clients much? Like what kind of, um, yeah. you know, advice do you have for people in, in, in that situation? Yeah, I, that's a really interesting question. And it's, it's one that comes up occasionally. Um, right. Because, you know, on one hand, there's nothing new under the sun. And on the other hand, yeah, a thousand percent. Uh, you know, uh, one example that I love to use is think about subscription boxes, mm -hmm. right? If we were to do some period research today on subscription boxes, there'd be thousands of keywords um, with different modifiers and, and permutations of, of different queries that people are searching for. And, the, you know, those main keywords, if people just looking for, you know, monthly subscription boxes, that have got to be in the tens if not hundreds of thousands right mm -hmm. but before the first subscription box was made that wasn't the keyword <laughs> literally no people were searching for it so yeah there's absolutely instances where um over time you can generate demand for something that wasn't there before um we've had that with partners um the example that comes to mind for me is when uh, working with crayola um i think it was last year they they launched a campaign um they called ciy mm -hmm. Um, I Crayola it yourself, do it, do it yourself for Crayola. And that was a, that was a tough point because at that time we were like, we understand from a branding standpoint that you want to do this. And from a marketing standpoint, that makes perfect sense. From an SEO standpoint, nobody, nobody knows what CIY is. No one's searching for that, but there's so much search demand for DIY. Like, are you kidding? That's a gold mine of, of, of potential search demand to tap into and for someone like Crayola that has the brand authority, mm -hmm. they would easily be able to capture a lot of that. And so right. it's really hard for us sitting back to be like, oh, if they just would call it DIY instead and follow that pill, they would, they'd take totally. off, they'd do so right. well. However, it's Crayola and they have that power. And so it was maybe a little more of an uphill climb, but now there is search demand for CIY it is the product that they created and over time, you know, we'll get a lot of demand from. Um, right. I, so for me, I would say um, it very much depends on what business it is that's launching that. So, I mean, I, I guess my question was more of not in creating the demand for that keyword, Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, if you're as big as Crayola, that's, that's, uh, that's an option that you have. And you're able Our to create it. Right? Not have that option, and, I think. Yeah. So if you're, and if you're not, I would say stick to the, the golden rules of marketing, which is don't talk about your product, talk about the issue that your consumer has and how you Beautiful. can fix it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is, that is great. So, so exactly yeah. like you're, uh, with killing right. the mosquitoes, right. You might have the mosquito killer and people aren't looking for the mosquito killer, but they are looking at how the heck do I get rid of mosquitoes? Right. In this case, you can pop up and you can tell them, well, you can do this, 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 or this, or you can buy my product. Um, and the more 
uh, this is a, this is especially an area where topical authority is going to be key if you are the type of business that doesn't have that kind of power behind you. Um, you got to create it. Um, I love that. So don't talk content. about the product. Talk about the product, the problem you're solving. Is that yeah? <laughs> right. Absolutely. Talk yeah. talk about the consumer's issue. Um, right. Figure out figure out what issues the consumers are having through keyword research. Um, figure out what questions they're asking, and then answer them. Um, and the more you do that, the more you do that, both on your site and you know hopefully also through um, external. Uh, PR opportunities and, and, and guest posting and backlinking opportunities and all of that stuff, you know, the more you will be understood as a resource in that space. And so the more likely it is that you will rank for the mosquito killer you know, <laughs> product or whatever, you know, whatever the equivalent is. Yeah. And, and I think that's like um, coming back to, you know, what we talked about, like coming, you know, back to basics, it seems like most of these sort of esoteric or like all these questions that you might have on how you solve this, this or this, they're sort of like these basic rule of thumb of marketing that you can always keep coming back to, you know, speak yeah. in the voice of your customer, be authentic, make sure you're, um, you know, speaking about the problem and not just pitching your product, things like that. It is. It's a thousand percent back to basics. It's so funny to me that, you know, in times like this, you know, customers are asking, what do I do now? And it's so funny because it doesn't matter the day, it doesn't matter the issue. There's always a, it's always you go back to the thing that we've been talking about this whole time. Yeah. As marketers, part of our job is packaging it differently to make the person feel better, like there is something mm -hmm. new to it. And there isn't. <laughs> like I've, I've had a, a lot of customers, you know, when, when the coronavirus stuff first started popping up and becoming more prevalent, they asked, you know, what do we do now? What is our strategy? You know, how does, how does this change your recommendations? And, you know, internally we're like, it doesn't. <laughs> recommendations are exactly the same. That, that doesn't change. Um, right. Just the tactics might, you know, as you know, so we I, talk about like focusing on different content, but the goal is still focused on content, you know? So this is a really good point to, you know, like what, what, what would your, say your summary of like the three key takeaways for um, people listening in? Uh, I, we've talked about so much, so I'm I know we have talked about to pick a, a few. It is hard to pick a few. Oh man, I would say um, first and foremost, focus on how much you are communicating with your customers externally. Um, more than anything, you know, making sure that you have this really open line of communication with them, and that maybe very different to how you were operating before, but, you know, using the example of like, you know, your website right now, like should not look at all like it did a couple of months ago. You know, you should be having, you should have banners up on every page to let people know that you're open for business right. um, and links to more information about how your business has been impacted by the coronavirus and answers to people's questions. Um, you should be putting out content regularly into the world that was always the case, but like now more than ever, because people, you know, the second that somebody, especially if they're new to your site, is going to be wondering, are you even open? Are you, what's the deal here? Yeah. <laughs> um, what do I do to talk to you? So, so talking with customers just becomes way more prevalent. Um, I am also saying one big takeaway is when you're, when you're thinking about planning, um, especially in e-commerce, 
start planning your holiday season now. Um, in, in SEO, you know, it's always one of those issues where um, the changes that you make on your website today are not going to help or hurt your rankings. Well, I won't say hurt, they're not gonna help your rankings until at least a couple of weeks to a couple of months down the line um, because Google has to recrawl those pages. They have to understand the changes and what that means and they have to yeah. reevaluate your positioning compared to these other sites. And yeah, it's all done from an algorithm, but it, it does still take time. And so um, it's always been best practice uh, from an SEO standpoint to you know, prepare your web pages for holiday and make sure that they are visible to Google and able to rank well you know, months in advance. And so this year, who knows what our holidays are gonna look like. And so if you're a traditional e-commerce store and you are focused on, uh, you know, and, and December is traditionally a really good month for you, start planning now what that might look like. Because if it's not gonna be a good month for you, you're gonna to need to come up with another plan. And if you're banking on it being a good month for you, you really need to make sure that it's a good month. Um, that's what I would say. What's, uh um go ahead no no i, I was just uh, <laughs> i think i think that's really good advice um yeah. especially with uh, the fact that whatever you do in seo it takes months or you know weeks depending on how big you are so that's that's absolutely so how can um i mean we we again I, I, you mentioned the diagnostic that you guys do um i'm sure we we haven't even scratched the surface of seo <laughs> right so um yeah. is there any way that you'd like people to get in touch with you if they've got more questions oh my gosh absolutely please do um well i'll start with um our website is trinity.one uh, mm -hmm. rather than dot com um, so that's where you can find an information about us um, if you have any questions related to seo please feel free to reach out to me directly um, it's jlister at trinity.one is my email. Um, yeah, otherwise I'd say, you know, we're super glad to do any sort of an audit. We're, we're offering um, free strategy sessions um, for businesses, um, you know, especially those who have been impacted right now. You know, I know it can be hard to, to find the marketing budget, but I, I also see where it's a total necessity at this point. So um, we recently made some changes to the way that we're working with our agencies, uh, with our agency partners. Um, and we're offering uh, no commitment, uh, no contract um, related partnerships now, um, just to make it a lot easier and lower those barriers to entry because we recognize that there's a lot of people who are confused and stuck and need support, but you know might not be in the position to sign on for six months or a year. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of something that we're offering. Um, and then just to just to clarify, we I am focused on SEO as the SEO director, but we do also do um, platform redesigns and builds um, with Shopify and Big Commerce, obviously as our partners. But you know, we'll we'll work with any platform. <laughs> um, and we also do UX conversion optimization and email marketing and journeys as well. So I scratched we... I just scratched a little part of, of everything that we do, but. Um, but yeah, we um, you know we love to be able to help in any way that we can right now, just like everybody else. Thank you so much, Jessica. It's been a pleasure having you. Absolutely. Thank you. I love chatting today. <laughs> yeah, you too.